0: Manny Navarro, with the Athletic and host of the podcast Wide Right Pod, is our special guest. It's time for a Miami football preview. I'm Jim Quist. That's Will Ojanen, and this
1: is ACC Nation. Welcome, Manny. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jim. Appreciate you uh, inviting me to come on and talk some uh, Canes football. It's exciting times with Mario Cristobal in charge these days. Yeah, we're gonna get into it, and we're uh, we're gonna get into
0: detail here. So we're depending on your your professionalism and your observations as to what's going on there because there's a lot of stuff going on. So, let me get this one right out of the out of the way right up front for both the fans and the haters. They've heard the U is back for about 20 years now and, you know, uh, many including myself have said, "No, not yet." But this seems like maybe maybe we're getting closer to it so you know new coaches new look recruitings turning the corner uh is there a valid
1: reason to be excited manny Oh yeah, I think absolutely. There's, there's a valid reason to be excited. And, you know, I, I appreciate the fans out there who always say, yeah, the U is back and, and then it doesn't happen. I love, I love the sarcasm at the end of the year when the team finishes seven and five or whatever, six wins. Uh, I think, I think this team is is built to have success this coming season immediately. I think uh, when you got a quarterback like Tyler Van Dyke, you have a chance to win the division and if you go back and you look at how often miami has won the division the coastal division since they joined the conference hasn't happened very often and uh I think this team, though, uh, with with Van Dyke at quarterback, has the potential to do it. We saw last year what happened with Pittsburgh and their young quarterback, uh, who, who obviously became a first round pick, and Kenny Pickett. So, I think Tyler Van Dyke is from the same ilk. I think he's a potential first round pick, and I think that gives Miami a chance to get to the ACC championship game this year. Very cool. Hey, before I,
0: I pass it off to Will, who's going to break down some X's and O's and offense and defense, let me just ask you your opinion on something um, getting rid of divisions
1: in the Atlantic coast conference. How do you feel about that? I love it. Actually. I I would love to see these ACC teams play each other more often. I I really think that, uh, that, that format where, where you get to play three teams, maybe or two teams, uh, the same every year and rotate the other five. Uh, I, I, I would love to see that happen. And, uh, you know, I think I think for Miami, you know, they haven't played Wake Forest in what seems like forever. And they're in the same <laughs> conference, uh, you know, and, and it's just it's just weird to go that many years without playing them. And, and I think it's, it, it's necessary if you're going to have a real conference feel to kind of get rid of those divisions and let let everybody play each other every other year.
2: Okay, Manny. We uh, mentioned Tyler Van Dyke, and yeah, he's definitely in the discussion for best quarterback in the league. He, there's no doubt about it. He he kind of came out almost out of nowhere in a way because he just really, really, after the second half of that Virginia game and his first start, really started to show that potential. Now, I read that an article you you wrote on the on, on the Athletic. I believe it was kind of a state of the program column you were writing, and one of the things you had mentioned was uh, he had been working on his on his footwork with Malik Rozier. Was that something he kind of had an issue with during the season?
1: Well, I don't know if it was necessarily an issue where, whereas something that he just wanted to improve for, for his NFL draft stock to show teams that he could be a little bit more mobile and better on the run. And in terms of making those kind of throws, I think, you know, I went to one of those workouts that he had with Malik inside Miami's indoor practice facility. And, you know, Tyler he was hitting everybody between the numbers. There were not not many throws that were off uh, even while he was going through these drills. So I think it was more of something that he just really wants to perfect because he he watches the best, you know, the Tom Brady's and the Aaron Rodgers of the world at the next level. And he sees what they can do when the, when the pocket collapses and they've got to make a play. And I think that's the one area when you go back and you look at his film last year, you say, well, he didn't make too many great throws while he was kind of scrambling. And, and I think that's the one area he wants to get better at.
2: So with the, the addition of offensive coordinator Josh Gaddison, looking at what he's done at Michigan, and obviously they, I don't know how much that was him or if it was more of Harbaugh's influence on the program, but what we saw was a you know, a good balance, good run, good run game, good offensive line, but let's be real. Miami was one of the worst in the ACC yeah. in terms of the running, running the football. Uh, what is the plan to fix that this year?
1: Well, they spent a lot of time this spring uh, working on combo blocking, and you know I think a lot of their 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 run formations last year, based out of the uh, Red Lashley offense, was you know sort of these zone blocking schemes, and and I don't know that that necessarily took advantage of, of some of the strengths of of the linemen that they had playing last year. Uh, in terms of the running game, but they they kind of played to their strengths, right? It was it was Tyler and, and those receivers and Charleston Rambo and Mike Harley, and and so I, I think this year there's there's a concerted effort really from between Mario Cristobal and Josh Gaddis, as you mentioned, uh, two guys who love to run the football um, to really I think become much better at it and and to become a much more balanced offense. Let's not, let's not forget, you know, when you're when you're a Rhett Lashley offense and you're getting off the field within sixty seconds of you know two or three incomplete passes uh that puts the defense at a big disadvantage and miami's defense really is what what took a step backwards last season when so many people had high expectations for them in the preseason you had a lot of older players that struggled i think mario uh, crystal ball's mentality is we need to be able to have our offense you know run the ball down the throat of our opponents a little bit more than they have in the past and so i think you know between the combo blocking and and obviously some of the transfers that they've picked up i think they're going to be better uh, at running the football.
2: So you talk about the wide receivers, obviously the, the, the two, two are gone. Mike Harley, Charleston Ramble, they're gone now, you know, onto the next step of, of their careers. But one of the things I've I mean, noticed is they, that um, gas does like to use the tight end. Is this a situation where will Mallory could be in for a breakout year?
1: Oh, I think absolutely. I, I would say Elijah Arroyo as well. You know, Elijah was one of those freshmen last year that, that was able to get on the field immediately. And it's because he's such a big bodied, Talented player coming out of Texas that you could trust them to, to give you, you know, 15, 20 snaps a game and, and be involved a little bit in the passing game. I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, 12 personnel on the field, uh, opportunities for both of those guys to, to sort of work in the middle of the field and, and create mismatches and and so I think yes will without question you know you, you look back at his first half of last season he really struggled through the first six games the last six games when Tyler Van Dyke was on it was like they, they were just making magic out there so I think yeah. will is certainly in store to have a big season but I also think watch out for Elijah Royal because he's a really talented second year player who I think could make a huge leap this year
2: and just thinking back he he had a he had a really good year when Brevin Jordan was there too and that two tight ends so, so i could really see that being a big deal i talking about the backfield because there's a, looks like a lot of lot of people with a lot you know a lot of bodies in there no one like really has i don't think anybody really has an advantage obviously you've got uh, the, the um, Jalen Knight back. He, he had a pretty good, pretty good season, but he, he's a really good pass catcher. You got Harry, Henry Parish, a transfer from Ole Miss, Thaddeus Franklin. Plus you've got Don Cheney Jr. coming off a torn ACL. So how do you, do you think it's going to be more of a committee approach to start the year?
1: Well, I I think, you know, if you, if you look at Mario's history, and as well as Josh Gaddis, you know, they always kind of have a lead back. One guy who, who, who maybe takes, Uh, more than half of the carries and then other guys who sort of contribute I could see a similar type situation here where whoever is the healthiest and best back coming out of camp here in the fall gets that lead role you know the first couple weeks of the season but I could see these guys switching it up you know a guy like Don Chaney um, who I saw play in high school here in South Florida he he reminds me a lot of Frank Gore in terms of some of just his raw abilities um, you know breakout speed etc and you know, he just hasn't been able to be healthy kind of like Frank Gore was his first couple years at Miami with the ACL. So I think he's, he's got probably the most high end potential of all of those guys. Um, but Jalen Knighton, I mean, if you go back and look at the Florida state game and and North Carolina from last year, just such explosion, especially in the passing game. Um, I I think him and Parrish, both are going to be really highly utilized weapons as backs out of the backfield, which you saw Michigan do a lot of last year under Gattis. So, I, I, yes. Will there be one bona fide do it all back? No, I think there's going to be a committee. But ultimately, I think there will be a guy who sort of takes on the lead rushing role um,
0: along the lines of of this kind of a, a shift a little bit. If you if you will, toward uh, running the ball down people's throats, I've seen this be becoming um, a trend, not only in the NFL, moving a little bit away from from the passing game toward having an effective running game, but I'm also seeing a lot more of this on the college level. Is this is this a trend that we should be expecting out of all college teams at this point? Or
1: well, what's going I, I think on here? So, I, I think I think certainly for Mario Cristobal, philosophically, being being an offensive lineman at, at Miami, and you think back to when he won national championships at Miami and. Uh, You know, 89 and 91 and and those teams that were around then, um, you know, those were teams that had great balance. Yes, Dennis Erickson's offense could put up a ton of points. Um, but Mario, you know, the way he ran things at Alabama with, with, with offensive linemen and Nick Saban before they, they started cutting it loose with those receivers and even at Oregon, like there was always balance. And so I I think, you know, when you talk about pounding it down a team's throat, I think that's the fourth quarter. That's what you want to do. You, you kind of want to get back to that power running game. And, uh, and and I think that's what Mario wants to be. I think in the fourth quarter he wants to be up two touchdowns and he wants to just keep the ball and play take you know keep yeah. away from the from the opponents. That's his philosophy. And Miami may not blow out teams this year. You know, uh, they, it may be a, a two score game or a ten point game. But Mario is fine with that. He he is of that ilk that hey, as long as I got the W at the end, that's what's most important. And he's what he wants to do more than anything is is sort of cover up maybe some of the warts, right. That this team could have receivers. One of those, right. We may not have, Miami may not have that guy who, who turns into a Charleston Rambo this year. So what do you do? You throw the ball out of the backs and the tight ends and you, and you, and you run that power running game. So I could totally see Miami being much more of that kind of offense this year.
0: So he's also a clock so, uh, oh So yes. watch that very closely. <laughs> Speaking of the beef, uh, this is where I always like to 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 get into it a little bit with the offensive linemen and also defensive linemen. But you know, if you if your offensive line is not pulling their weight, uh mm-hmm. it, it's not gonna work, man. Uh so yeah. here's here's the thing I want to look at here. They've got loads of experience there. Um, but short on playing time together, um And they've got some really key transfer portal players. Let's talk about that offensive line and what you see happening and what needs to click.
1: Yeah, I think at left tackle, you're kind of solidified there with Zion Nelson. He's been the starter there for the better part of three seasons already. And somebody that, uh, you know, NFL uh, draft Knicks are saying is probably a second or third round pick. He's just got great feet. Uh, You think back to Zion's first game at left tackle against Florida. Uh, You know, you barely weighing 285 pounds and just getting abused by seniors (laughs) and fifth year guys. It was such a rough game for him, but he's bounced back tremendously from it. And he's one of the better, I think, offensive tackles in the country now. Um, And and so to me, left tackle is solidified. Uh, You know, at center, you got Ja'Kai Clark back. He was a starter for for basically the final eight games last year after Corey Gaynor got hurt. Corey, of course, transferred to North Carolina. This season, he saw the writing on the wall that Jakai was going to be the center. So he took off. Uh, And then you got DJ Scaife, who's been a longtime starter for Miami, uh, either at right tackle or right guard. He's got a ton of experience. Those are the three guys that you say, okay, um, maybe they haven't always been dominant. Maybe they haven't always been great, but heck, they're experienced. They've started a lot of games. And so you've got three guys that that really fit the bill there. Then you have a a kid like Jalen Rivers. Um, who was one of the top offensive tackles in the country coming out of high school a couple of years ago, starts the first three games of the year last year at left guard uh, tears his ACL misses the rest of the season. But let me tell you, you talk to Alex Mirabal and Mario, like even the previous coaching staff, they'll sell you Jalen rivers, the most talented lineman they have. So I think from Miami's perspective, you feel really, really good about four guys. Question is who's that right tackle or who's that right guard, right? Who do you, who do you sort of slide in there? Um, you know, John Campbell, a really good player, uh, you know, a guy who can dunk the basketball, a six, you know, six five, five, 300 pound type guy um, who, who was getting recruited by Alabama and a bunch of really good schools out of high school. He just tore his ACL, didn't play last year. So it was kind of a wasted year for him. He, he tried to come back in the spring, wasn't quite ready yet. So that's a question mark. And, you know, they, they went into the transfer portal. They got Logan Sagapolu. Um, you know, who was at Oregon with Mario for two years, didn't play either. He had an injury. You know, the things with all these linemen is they're always battling injuries, right? They're in the trenches, they're getting hurt. That doesn't mean they couldn't, you know, in year three, year four, be ready to just step into that role and take off. And so I think, you know, Miami's in one of those situations where these guys are going to, I mean, listen, between Cristobal and Mirabal, uh, the two, the two, uh, you know, Cuban coaches that I know, well, uh, they, they're going to be coached up and ready to play. Um, The question is, are they going to be consistent week to week to week? And uh, that's something that we'll find out only when the season starts and it gets rolling. So, but I I like four out of the five. And I think that fifth spot is going to be the key to the the team's success this year as far as running the football.
0: So before Will jumps into defense with you, um, let me get your ratio projection here. Passing running percentages. What do you what do you see this team doing?
1: Yeah, I, I could see it 50-50. I could see it 53-47, you know, kind of that breakdown where you throw the ball <laughs> a little bit more just because you got Tyler Van Dyke, but yeah. I, but I could I could totally see Mario running a whole lot of play action um and and you know, Tyler Van Dyke because he doesn't have that established deep weapon um or at least in the early part of the season being conservative and just running the ball. Especially that game at Texas A&M in week 3. That's going to be a really tough assignment. Uh, you know, and, and Jimbo's got a great roster over there. So, uh, you know, maybe the first two weeks they're a little bit more aggressive and just try to put teams away early. The schedule certainly conducive for that, but that week three game at Texas A&M to me will be the real barometer of whether or not this team is ready uh, to contend for an ACC championship and, and to take that next step. Manny, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I don't think I've ever
0: heard anybody go 53, 47 before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that,
1: I, That's a, that's how close to balance I'm expecting it. It'd only be like a slight margin of, of maybe passing it a little bit more. That was,
0: that was a man. You should be a right. politician.
1: That
2: was a same statement. Will. All right. Let's, uh Let's let's go over to the d- defense. Obviously a new uh defensive coordinator, Kevin Steele has been brought in. He, he, after uh, Clemson had a bunch of years in the sec. So he knows what good defenses look like and the defense. I don't think it's, out of out of left field to say this defense was a bit of an issue last year. Tackling was bad. It was one of the worst tackling teams in the country. They could had the second fewest uh, turnovers in the in the league. So what is what are they? What did they do during spring ball
1: to, to start addressing that? Just just go back to basics, baby. That's what it was. It really was just assignment football, making sure that uh, when they cut up the film, guys are in the right spot to make tackles. I think the one thing that Miami was really exposed with under Manny Diaz last season, because Manny plays such an aggressive style, right, where he wants to create tackles for loss and plays in the backfield, was that They really left themselves susceptible um, to the underneath passing game or whenever the running back sort of slipped out. The safeties were just in terrible position to make tackles and to make plays. And I think really the focus this spring was help these linebackers identify the gap and then hit the gap And, and not to necessarily worry about always making a tackle for loss, just wrap up make the play you're supposed to make, hold that ball carrier to two or three yards instead of giving up six or seven. And I think, uh, you know, Kevin Steele and Charlie Strong, who, who, of course, Charlie's coaching the linebackers. I mean, these are two guys that have been great at their jobs for many, many years, uh, just getting their defenses to, to do their job and get off the field. And so I, I think getting better on third down, uh, I think just wrapping up, holding teams uh, in the red zone. That's sort of the focus here. It's, it's just just get off the field and don't give up the big plays, which Miami did far too many times last year.
2: So looking, just kind of looking at an overview of the defense, I feel like the theme of it is there's going to be a lot of competition. I mean, obviously you've got some some key starters, especially in the secondary. They probably have one of the best safety cores in the ACC and a, and a really good quarterback. So let's start back there. Um, got a, all uh, big time, you know, Tyreek Stevenson is back. Honorable mention, all ACC. Um, Daryl Porter Jr. is a, a grad transfer, or, or just a transfer from West Virginia. Uh, Avante Williams is someone who I know the the staff is really high on. So, what what about the secondary makes it so good?
1: Well, first of all, I feel like you have the potential to have three elite safeties, which is hard to have, right? I mean, usually somebody always leaves. They want to get off. They want to get on the field. They don't want to, you know, kind of rotate in. But I think between uh, you know James Williams and, and Cameron Kitchen. And, uh, and and Avante Williams, they've got three guys that you go back and you look at their high school rankings and what they did, you know, as, as freshmen when they first got on the field last year, you're like, wow, these guys have the potential to really take off. Uh, You know, James Williams, so big, long and rangy but with that six, five frame. Um, I, I just think, you know, Kevin Steele is going to do his best to get those guys, those three guys on the field as often as he can. I think if, if you're saying, well, who, who moves into the slot, who sort of covers you know, plays more of a man-to-man cover position at that safety spot. It's probably Avante Williams. Um, he's just better at it naturally. But I think it all starts with those three guys. Um, and, and they've got some good depth behind them. Some guy, some young guys that that uh, when you watch them out in the field, they know what they're doing. They're not lost. You know, that's one of those tough positions where you have to be able to communicate and keep everybody aligned. And I think, uh, you know, the job that uh, Jamila Die, the new defensive backs coach, has done is, has been pretty impressive. I was impressed the way they looked in the spring. You mentioned cornerback. Uh, certainly Tyreek Stevenson um, you know he missed the spring coming off of of shoulder surgery Um, but he did phenomenally especially in man coverage last year Um, one of the better ones in the country and uh, you know I know he was only all ACC honorable mention but he's the kind of kid that now you look at projecting going into his fourth year he's the leader of that unit and he's kind of taken on that responsibility I think in the film room um, with his teammates really gotten guys to to just do a better job you mentioned the West Virginia transfer in Porter you know he's he's a full-time starter at West Virginia a guy who I think slides right into that slot position, you know, that slot corner position is so important in college football nowadays. And, and Daryl, you know, I know his father, his father played for the Miami Dolphins. He's a coach down here for many, many years. He is a student of the game, a a kid who um, sounds like a coach when you talk to him. Um, And, and, you know, they had some other guys, Isaiah Dunson, I'll tell you, and he's a kid didn't play a, a lot last year, but this spring, big body, long arms, Um, a kid that Manny Diaz's staff had moved to safety. And then, um, you know, as soon as Mario Cristobal staff comes in there, Nope, he's a cornerback. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so he, I could see him um, starting opposite uh, Tyreek Stevenson this year at that corner spot. So I I think, you know, you, you asked me what's the strength of that defense right off the bat, I would say secondary without question. I think there's more talent and experience there than any other position on that defense.
2: So um, I should ask, what kind of what kind of style of defense does uh, Kevin Steele plan to play?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's going to be primarily a 4-3. Now that third linebacker, you always say, well, do you bring in a DB and make him sort of, um, uh, I guess, that money position, right, where he's kind of like an extra safety and he's just in coverage. I could, yeah, I could totally see something like that happening where maybe even a guy like James Williams moves into that position in the box as sort of a, a semi-third linebacker. But the reality is it's going to be a four down lineman base uh, with with two linebackers and then that third, you know, sort of linebacker who's a DB. And and I think um, I think in today's game, that's just the way you have to kind of play it right unless they're coming out with four wide or five wide and and just trying to spread you out. Um, But I think their base defense, that's the way that they're going to look.
2: So up front, I think, I think there's a lot more depth up on the D line this year, just yeah. between with what's coming back You pull out. I think it was something like four grad tra- or four transfers. Yeah. Uh, five, from, actually five, okay. Okay. Rivalry, five transfers. Yeah. yeah. So do you,
1: do you expect a lot of rotation there? No question. I think Mario talked about that uh, at the end of the spring that, you know, they just, they've got so many guys and that's the way that that you want to play nowadays, right? You look at Clemson and the success that they have with their defensive line. They're they've got elite linemen, but they also rotate and they keep guys fresh and, I think, uh, you know, Mario, when he was at Alabama, being in the SEC, seeing those great defenses uh, that's, that's the way you have to do it. You have to roll guys and, and keep them fresh and, and keep your best players on the field in the most important moments. And so um, I, I think without question, uh, you know, look, my, Leonard Taylor, five-star recruit. He's one of the two five stars that Miami has on on this roster. Um, he came in last year, only played 200 snaps and he led the team with nine and a half tackles for loss. So, there's major upside here with him. Uh, you talk about the great Miami teams of the past. They always had defensive tackles who could create plays in the backfield and disrupt running games. I think he's that kind of talent. And I think they really feel confident uh, about Daryl Jackson, who's a, a freshman that they got in the transfer portal out of Maryland. He's 6'6", 300 pounds. Every time I stop by Miami's uh, fields now in the summertime and, and they're there with a bunch of recruits and doing these camps like everybody else in the country is doing, all I get told is, man, wait to see this Daryl Jackson kid. He's going to be phenomenal. And Daryl started one game last year for Maryland at the end of the year in the bowl game and played really well. I think their their defensive tackle talent between Jared Harrison, Hunt, Antonio Moultrie, the transfer from UAB, uh, Jordan Miller, who's played a whole lot at Miami in reserve role, and Akeem Mesidor, another um, you know top transfer from West Virginia that they that they were able to pull in. I think you're going to see a heavy rotation at D tackle and a bunch of guys that can make plays. Something that strikes me, Manny, and, and listening to
0: to what you've you've said so far, and looking at the roster and and looking at the talent there, it's beginning to strike me that with three new, well, more than three new coaches, a, a, a totally different look. That some of these players, the experience that they have, maybe they weren't used to their, you know, their, right. their best potential, and that in this scenario, maybe they're going to be put in to roles and coached up so that they, they really shine thoughts.
1: Yes. I, I think without question. And, and, and again, you know, you think about what Mario knows uh, and, and what he was successful with as a player and a coach when he was at Miami in, in, in the eighties and nineties, those teams were just so deep, you know, and there was just always a role, Uh, You know, you think about all those players that got drafted. Not all of them were starters or full time starters at Miami, but they they were very effective when they got on the field. So Mm -hmm. for Mario being at Alabama, seeing Nick Saban win championships, uh, you know, competing at Oregon for a Pac-12 championship, winning that, uh, he knows that to win in college football, it's not just about having the stars. It's about having depth behind them and, and giving everybody a role. Uh, to feel comfortable in, to be successful in. And, and I think that's the experience that he has that maybe Manny Diaz didn't when he took over as, as coach. He was a defensive guy his entire career, yeah. uh, didn't didn't really know what to do with the offensive side of the ball, right? Had ideas, hey, we want to be explosive, we want to be this, be that. And, and he did a good job. He hired some good coaches. Rhett Lashley, I thought, uh, he's a head coach now at SMU, of course. I thought he did wonders with the quarterback room. They really improved the quarterback room. But the defensive side of the ball, which was Manny's specialty, Slipped, And that's because they didn't do a very good job recruiting depth and recruiting guys to fit to what they wanted to do. And uh, I think Mario right off the bat with the transfer portal getting those five defensive linemen bringing in an extra cornerback. You just look and you say, "Man, there's. It feels like there's a lot more depth now at Miami to to do the kind of things that you want to do." This is one thing you can say about Nick
0: Saban. You, you don't have to like Nick, but he's he's a, a horrible influence when it comes down to <laughs> making you a better coach. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and absolutely. take the twist there. We we, we know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Hey, let's talk about uh, this season's schedule. It starts off nice enough. But then on September seventeenth, as you mentioned earlier in the program, it's preseason number five. Texas A&M Jimbo Fisher has got stuff rolling, and boy, this is going to be a challenge. Thoughts oh, on yeah. this game?
1: Yeah, anytime you 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 fly out there and you play in College Station with the twelfth man and everything else, and and this is supposed to be, I think, a nine o'clock kickoff, right Eastern or something. <laughs> yeah, Uh that's that's going to be interesting. It's going to be electric, I'm sure. The atmosphere. Uh, you know, Jimbo is familiar with Miami's personnel, having coached at Florida State, and he's com- he's recruited for a lot of the same guys that uh, and won many times at Texas A&M for some of the guys out of South Florida. So he's familiar. He's seen the game film a lot of these players. And, uh, you know, that win last year against Alabama, I think, uh, gave Texas A&M a whole lot of confidence going into this year. <laughs> uh, and, and he's going to be ready for it. And, and that's such an important game for Miami. You know, people sit here and say, well, you got to win it, right? You got to go on the road and win this game. I think for Miami and a lot of these programs that are just trying to get back to relevance, right? Just don't get embarrassed, right? That's what happened yeah. against Alabama last year. Miami went up to Atlanta, got thoroughly embarrassed, and that deflated the team so much. I mean, there were so many guys that just mentally at that point, and that's the first game of the year, right? To, to, to lose your cool after game one is just it, – it's tough, and I don't think Miami ever really survived that. Uh, they, they just kind of were like – swimming in the ocean, trying to find themselves and and become that team again. And and, and Manny eventually did when the schedule got a little easier and it was, you know, uh, they they won some important games down the stretch and just missed getting uh, the the division title. But my point is, you know, I I think for Miami going into Texas A&M, just don't get blown out, right? Just go in there, play, keep it close. And if you can hang with a really good SEC program like the one Jimbo Fisher's building over there, uh, rebuilding, um, I, I think you, you you win or lose, you leave with a little bit of confidence, uh, and 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 so to me, that's the most important thing with that game.
0: Will and I'll go back and forth on a couple of these these uh, matchups here uh, as we as we come to a conclusion on the program. Um, let me get into the first one here: North Carolina, October eighth. That appears to be, and, and here's the thing. We're never sure exactly what to expect from teams from season to season. That's the nice thing about college football. Sometimes you, you're you loaded and you know, hey, it's like with Alabama. You kind of expect certain things, and it usually plays out that way. But everybody else, it's it's a little different, and we're not really sure what to expect from some of the teams, especially in the division. So we'll start with that North Carolina
1: game on October 8th. And what you got telling you here? Well, listen, uh, Mac Mac Brown's won uh, won three straight games uh, against Manny Diaz when he was around, and, and Sam Howell had a lot to do with it, right? I mean, he just, he, he Sam Howell was just sort of a nightmare for Miami <laughs> to contend with, all three years. You think back to fourth and seventeen, uh, you know, Manny Diaz's first season on the road in Chapel Hill. Miami has the game won, uh, Sam beats them. Uh, you know, th- this last meeting up in Chapel Hill again, uh, close game, fourth quarter. You know, Sam makes a play. He bounces off of James Williams and runs it into the end zone. Um he's not there anymore. And so I think from a mental standpoint for Miami, um, hey, it's a different quarterback. Uh yes, Mac Brown has won three in a row, but Manny Diaz isn't around anymore. It's a different coaching staff, a different game plan. So to me, I, I look for Miami. That's that's a, such an important game. I think, again, from a mental standpoint, you know, go out, take care of business at home. I think Miami will be favored in that game, even though they've lost three in a row. I think that's the kind of game that that uh, you, you hope that Tyler Van Dyke uh, makes all the plays. And he had an opportunity last year to beat them at the end. And then, you know, pass was deflected and intercepted on the fi- one of the final plays. And I know for Tyler, uh, you know, that was his first real road start. I know from talking to him, he is definitely hungry to beat North Carolina and and get a little revenge after uh, what he went through last year. And so let's uh, go a few weeks down the road. I think one of the more
2: interesting games uh, after that North Carolina game is at Virginia on October 29th. Obviously, Virginia's got a new coach, new offensive scheme, but obviously Virginia went down to Hard Rock and beat Miami last year uh, in Van Dyke's first game. Um, and, th- and that game also leads up to the, the FSU game a week later. So that's definitely a look ahead, Spike. Uh, what, do you, what do you see of that? What are your thoughts on that game?
1: Yeah, you know, Virginia, it's such an interesting opponent, right? I mean, for Miami, they've really struggled against Virginia. And that was one of those opponents that, you know, when you came into the ACC, you thought, well, Miami's always going to just have more talent. They're going to out-talent Virginia and just win games left and right. And the reality is it's been close to a 500 series, I think, uh, in in the time that Miami's been in the ACC. So, um, again, uh, you talk about going on the road, uh, winning on the road, how important it is. It's never easy. Those trips out there to me are are always sort of like, oh, you got to drive so far out. You know, you go to the airport, you drive for a while to get to the stadium, you go up the hill, you park and then you walk down. You're like, oh, my God, I'm exhausted just from getting here. You know, (laughs) that's that's the plan. (laughs) I, I, I think for Miami, you mentioned Florida State. That's another obviously, you know, key game for revenge that is a look ahead game. You're absolutely right. I think that's the kind of game that if you, if you beat North Carolina and you're, and you're off to a really good start and you got a chance to win, um, you know, the division and get to the ACC title game, that's the kind of game that can come back and bite you. Um, and, and, and listen, Virginia still has their quarterback. They've still got a tremendous playmaker back there. I know he didn't play great against Miami last year uh, and Brendan Armstrong, but you know, he beat him, right. He, he hung on to the W he's done it already. So, I know that Virginia's undergone a coaching change and, and things, have, things have sort of happened, transfers, et cetera. Uh, but that's always a game I circle on my calendar, the guy covering Miami who says, yeah, that's, that's no gimme.
2: All right. So let's go to the week after that, obviously November 5th uh, at Hard Rock, Florida state. And that is going to be a huge game. J- obviously both, both, uh, you know, a big in-state rivalry. And there could be a little bit of a bit of desperation on the Florida state side. because I mean, let's be honest. Nor- even though Norvell has a really solid recruiting class for 22, I wouldn't say there's uh, his his seat is cooled off by
1: any means. No, not at all. I think this is an extremely important game for for Mike Norvell, and and you know, you talk about you know year three having some success. Yes, he beat Miami last year, but I mean, five and seven, still not where he needs to be. And I don't know that that roster, I mean, Jermaine Johnson was such a tremendous addition last year. It felt like the entire defense just fed off of his energy, him and Kier Thomas. Both of those guys are gone. And, you, you know, you sit there and you break down FSU's roster and you say, okay, where are the new guys? Where where are the new playmakers? They lost guys on that defensive side, and they won. They beat Miami last year because of that defense, really, in my mind. When I go back and and you watch that game again, um, it it was the defensive plays of Jermaine Johnson and some of the other guys on that team, and a lot of those guys are gone now, and and so the new transfers and the new additions have to step up. Uh, I I think for Miami, uh, beating Florida State, for Mario Cristobal in year one, that is, you know, as must win as it gets you for, especially for the recruiting battles, right? I mean, Florida state, and Miami still recruit a lot of the same kids. They still have battles over guys. Um, And, and I think uh, for Mario, he doesn't want to sort of lose that edge right now where I think he's winning in in the recruiting battle.
0: Going to end up the season on a rough note here, Clemson, November 19th, Pitt, November uh, 26th. At least you get Pitt at home. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, being at Clemson is just, <laughs> that's a whole different ball game there. Just because as you were mentioning, a 12th man aspect of Texas A&M, that crowd in Clemson is killer. Um, those two games, your thoughts there on ending the season.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, look, Miami, I'll, I'll start with Pittsburgh, Miami, you know, beat Pittsburgh on the road last year, obviously went in and took an early, a big early lead and sort of hung on for dear life at the, at the end. That Pittsburgh team is tough as nails. I know they got a lot of, you know, seniors back on that defensive side, experienced guys, but I thought the loss of Jordan Addison was really in my mind devastating for that roster. It's one thing to lose Kenny Pickett. They go out and they get Kadon Slovis and and some other, you know, they've got the quarterbacks who were there before kind of waiting and competing in the wings. I, I'm not sure what Pittsburgh is going to be now. I'm really that's the one team I look at in the ACC, and I said, who knows what they're going to look like, especially yeah. after losing one of their best players and their and their quarterback. So um, that'll be really interesting to watch. I'm sure it'll still be a tough game, but I, I, to me, without question, Texas AM and m and Clemson are the two measuring stick games for Miami. Uh, you think back to the to the year of the pandemic when Miami went up to Clemson. And, you know, was it 42, 17 might've been the final score or whatever it was. It was not close. Clemson is the standard still in the ACC. Yes. They didn't win the conference last year, but Dabo Sweeney always has the most talented team. And, you know, I I, I fully expect uh, uh, Kate Klubnik and, and, uh, you know, DJ Ongole, one of those guys is going to get that offense rolling, um, and, and I expect Clemson to bounce back and be a better team this year than they were last year, and they won 10 games, so um, that is to me the measuring stick game for Miami. If if they go into Clemson again and keep it close and, and and don't get embarrassed, that's a victory in my mind. You know, if, if especially if they close out and win every other game this season, if the, those two games, Texas A&M and Clemson are, are close, hard fought losses, and Miami's ten and two at the end of the regular season playing in the ACC championship game, then I then I think Mario Cristobal has accomplished more than Manny Diaz ever did, and certainly. Um, you know, getting the team to the ACC title game, it would be the second one. Mark Rick's the only other guy who's done it. So uh, I, that, to me, would be a great season for Miami. And I think that's where expectations, as far as Miami fans are concerned, you know, that should be the goal. I, I think shooting for anything bigger than that is is just a cherry on top. It's just gravy, right? Just It's just extra good. You can take ACC Nation with you by
0: subscribing to our podcast. Worldwide listeners can listen to ACC Nation radio streaming 24-7 and watch the program on YouTube. Pick your favorite option and subscribe by visiting accnation.net. Thank you so much to our special guest, Manny Navarro of The Athletic and host of the podcast Wide Right Pod. Hey, be sure to follow him on Twitter, subscribe to The Athletic, And make sure you follow his podcast for the best coverage of the Miami Hurricanes. Thank you, Manny, for joining us. Too kind, Jim. Thank you, guys.
1: Look forward to talking to you again.